0: Hi, you guys don't realize down here how full it is up there. <laughs> just looking up. Um, first of all, I just want to say thank you to everyone who served yesterday at the, mother's break- at the women's breakfast. We had 84 women there and uh, 20 from Tweedbank in the borders, and uh, we just had a great time. Suzanne, brought a great message and I want to thank everyone that served behind the scenes to make it happen but especially Janet who I could I couldn't have we couldn't have done it without Janet and Mariska and Abina led us in a fantastic time of worship so um it was a great time so as Luke said I'm Anne and I'm married to Matt who's one of the leaders here and today is Mother's Day so um I do feel it's an appropriate subject to talk about I feel qualified to talk about Mother's Day only insofar as I have had a mum. So if you are here and you're not a mum, this still is relevant to you because you've all had mums and that I am a mum. So I thought I'd provide you with some proof of this from the CB Family Archives. But no tweeting, no pictures, you know like they say in in the films. Uh, so that is me with my mum you can see her loving care. she tries desperately to do something with my hair which she never ever managed to do very well and I still struggle to do so that is me and the next one is me as a teenager I don't know how well it shows up on there um, with my mum and my younger sister and um, there's very few pictures of these because we didn't have good cameras in those days and this is me as a mum with all of my children and my husband Um <laughs> So I do feel quite qualified to talk about this. So whether or not you are male or female, a son or a daughter, or you are a mum, we all we all have or have had a mother. I want you to think about your mum, even if she's not around anymore, if you can, this morning. So I'm calling this a tale of three mothers, and I'm going to talk specifically about three mothers from the Bible. Moses' mum, Jochebed, two prostitutes who are unnamed, and finally Jesus' mum Mary. As Jan reads this passage, I want you to look out and try to look for some qualities that you would expect to see in a mother. This is the story of Moses' mum.
1: This is from Exodus chapter 1, verse 8 to chapter 2, verse 10. Then a new king came to power in Egypt. Look, he said to his people. The Israelites have become far too numerous for us. Come, we must deal shrewdly with them, or they will become even more numerous. And if war breaks out, we'll join our enemies, fight against us, and leave the country. So they put slave masters over them to oppress them with forced labor. But the more they were oppressed, the more they multiplied and spread. So the Egyptians came to dread the Israelites and worked them ruthlessly. They made their lives bitter with harsh labor. The king of Egypt said to the Hebrew midwives, when you're helping the Hebrew women during childbirth on the delivery stool, if you see that the baby is a boy, kill him. But if it is a girl, let her live. The midwives, midwives, however, feared God and did not do what the king of Egypt had told them to do. They let the boys live. Then the king of Egypt summoned the midwives and asked them, why have you done this? Why have you let the boys live? The midwives answered Pharaoh, Hebrew women are not like Egyptian women. They're vigorous and give birth before the midwives (laughs) arrive. (laughs) Then Pharaoh gave this order to all his people. Every Hebrew boy that is born you must throw into the Nile, but let every girl live. Now a man of the tribe of Levi married a Levite woman, and she became pregnant and gave birth to a son. When she saw that he was a fine child, she hid him for three months but when she could hide him no longer, she got a papyrus basket for him and coated it with tar and pitch. Then she placed the child in it and put it among the reeds along the bank of the Nile. His sister stood at a distance to see what would happen to him. Then Pharaoh's daughter went down to the Nile to bathe and her attendants were walking along the river bank. She saw the basket among the reeds and sent her female slave to get it. She opened it and saw the baby. He was crying and she felt sorry for him. This is one of the Hebrew babies, she said. Then his sister asked Pharaoh's daughter, shall I go and get one of the Hebrew women to nurse the baby for you? Yes, go, she answered. So the girl went and got the baby's mother. Pharaoh's daughter said to her, take this baby and nurse him for me. And I will pay you. So the woman took the baby and nursed him. When the child grew older, she took him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. She named him Moses, saying,
0: "I drew him out of the water." Thanks,.: Jen. <clears throat> So as you can see from this passage, being a pregnant Hebrew woman at this time must have been quite terrifying. The Israelites were living as slaves in Egypt and they now had a ruler who was threatened by them. And he was quite prepared to kill their babies in order to bring the numbers down. I think you might call that ethnic cleansing today. So here we have Jacob she's pregnant, she gives birth and it's a boy. I think instead of jubilation and congratulations I imagine there would have been secrecy, fear and heartbreak. But you know what, here she shows the fierce determination and stubbornness and ingenuity of a desperate mother. She keeps him hidden for three months. I'm sure this must have been incredibly dangerous for her and her family but when she can't hide him any longer she knows she has to let him go. She makes a basket of reeds and places her precious cargo inside and puts him in the reeds at the side of the Nile. She sends his sister to keep watch I can't imagine what she must have felt as she prepared for this. She didn't know what would happen to him, whether he would be found or whether he would live or die. But she knew that she could no longer keep him safe. And so she made a huge sacrifice to let him go in order to give him a chance. Now we can see God's hand in this because she actually gets him back temporarily and even gets paid to nurse him. But it's only a temporary reprieve, however, because she has to give him back when he's weaned, which is probably about three years old. He then, at the end of that scripture, it says he then becomes the son of Pharaoh's daughter. When I was reading that, that really hit me, you know, that actually she gave him away and actually she became somebody, he became somebody else's son. But little did she know that God had amazing plans for her baby boy. Moses was going, to change, was going to save a whole nation. Here, Jochebed, doing all she can to protect her baby, even risking her own life by hiding him, and she tries to keep him safe. This is what mums do their baby's happiness and safety becomes their overwhelming priority. It is unexplainable, it's a God thing. And I can totally relate to this. Um, Here you can see a picture of me with my two-and-a-half-year-old son, Chris. This is a really special photo for me. Three days before this was taken, we were away with a nursery school trip to the seaside. The whole family was there, all six children. The youngest was only eight months old. It was a beautiful sunny day, very rare in the northeast, I might add. And we were even able to get our swimming costumes on and enjoy some sun. Everything was calm and all was right with my world. But this is a day that I will never, ever forget. It's still etched in my memory in slow motion, frame by frame. Everyone was playing... Chris was playing with his brothers and I realised that he was a bit too close to the water's edge. So I started running towards him and as I ran, he lost his footing and he got swept out to sea. By the time I got to the water, he was just a dot the size of a beach ball being swept further and further away. Now I'm not a strong, strong swimmer, but I just got into the water and I swam for my life. The harder I swam, the further away he went. I have never prayed so much in my whole life. Amazingly, I managed to get hold of him, and even though he was unconscious, I dragged him back to the beach. We were both taken to hospital by ambulance, but as you can see by the picture, we both survived to tell the tale. This powerful love which Jochebed had for Moses and your mothers have for you I have for my children it suddenly kicked in when Chris was in danger it was as though a switch was flipped and I just couldn't help myself nothing else mattered my own safety or my own my other children on the beach all that mattered was being with Chris I know I wouldn't have come back without him my only focus was getting to him so maybe you're adopted Maybe the situation your mum was in meant that Jockabert, like Jockabed, she couldn't keep you. It doesn't mean that she didn't love you. Perhaps she made the ultimate sacrifice for you. We don't always know the circumstances that surround these kinds of decisions. But I don't think any mother comes to them easily. And if you're a parent with young children, you can probably relate to some of the feelings of these stories. But even if you're not a parent, I want to use this illustration to illustrate the depth of your own mother's love for you, because it doesn't change just because it's a different generation. It's still the same. So the second mother doesn't have a name, and yet most of you will know of her. King Solomon was known for his wisdom, and the story of this mother is one of the reasons why he gained the reputation of being wise. We find her in 1 Kings 3. So here, I'm not going to read the passage, but here we have two prostitutes arguing over a baby. They've both given birth within a couple of days of each other, and one of them has rolled over onto her baby in the night and suffocated him. They're both claiming that the living child belongs to them. So they go to Solomon so that he could make a ruling on whose child it is. I can't imagine the scene. Two women squabbling over a baby. I'm surprised that Solomon managed to get a word in Edgeways. no. Um... <laughs> Sorry, that's my grandson. <laughs> um... <laughs> Toby! <laughs> In his wisdom, Solomon asked for a sword to chop the baby in half and to give them half each. He knew the real mother would give her baby away to the other woman in order to save him. He knew the power of a mother's love. The thing is, Solomon didn't judge the woman because they were prostitutes or single parents. He didn't look at them and decide who he thought would make the best mum, who looked the most respectable or capable, He knew that the true mum would protect her baby. I know that for some of you, motherhood hasn't come easily. Sometimes it's accidental, the result of an unwise decision, or even something that's been forced on you. Or the timing and the circumstances are all wrong. Yet you found yourself in this position. It's not always easy. You may make loads of mistakes and get it wrong a lot of the time. You may even struggle to love your children sometimes and feel undervalued and unappreciated. I have struggled with some of those things in various seasons of my life, but I want to let you know that it's not all up to you. God is at work in your children's lives as well, and I can assure you that God's love and strength is there for you. He has a plan for you and for your children. You can't put your you can put your trust in him and ultimately like joker bird you will have to eventually let them go and trust him for them anyway there were so many times when Matt and I felt as though we didn't know what we were doing but I think we worried much too much about little things and uh, I remember one Saturday morning just as a, an example Someone had broken something or something had happened in the house. I was out shopping. I came back to set, find all six children lined up against the hall wall. From age five to age 11, there they were. And Matthew was talking to them. It was always serious when Matthew did this. And they're all standing there like this. And whatever it was that had happened, which I can't, we can't even remember now, nobody was going to own it. Now the plan had been that we were gonna go swimming that afternoon, but the punishment was that either someone owns up or we're not going. So after a long silence, our only daughter Joy stepped forward and she said, it's me. We knew it wasn't her. (laughs) So after further questioning and eyeballing of the other likely suspects, Nobody owned up, and they all nodded and said, it was her. (laughs) So Joy takes the punishment as her brothers nod in agreement. We knew she hadn't done it, but we had to follow through on what we'd said. But you know what? Years later, the truth came out. Why did Joy take the rap? She wanted to go swimming. (laughs) And she knew nobody was going to fess up to that. Why did they let her take it? Dad wouldn't be as hard on Joy as he would be on them. (laughs) They all laugh about it now, and I don't believe anyone has suffered any permanent damage. But by the way, we still don't know who the culprit was. (laughs) So we do the best we can. Don't take yourself too seriously, and don't beat yourselves up if you get it wrong. They will survive, after all. We all did, didn't we? Um, Others of you may feel, when you think of your mum, that you don't feel that she put you first, or even that she really loved you, or you can't live up to her expectations, and maybe you just don't have much of a relationship with her. Maybe that is true. Maybe she did the best, but just didn't quite know how to do it. The thing about parenting is you really only get one bite of the cherry with each child. They grow up and will never be 5, 10 or 15 again. Parents do their learning on the job and every child and every family situation is unique. What works for one child may not work for another. It's not a one size fits all. Some mums just aren't very good at it. Uh, Look at, you know, in the Bible, the Bible doesn't actually gloss everything up and say, oh, everyone in the Bible is wonderful. Look at Rebecca, the mother of Esau and Jacob. She had twin boys, but she favoured Jacob above Esau to the point where she was prepared to deceive her husband and risk everything in order to get him the blessing that was really Esau's. So you can realise that this kind of favouritism would have massive implications on any family, which of course it did. But you know what? God was still working through that. We do know, though, that none of us were accidents. Whatever the circumstances of our birth, it says in Psalm 139 that God formed you in a, for, that God formed you in formed our inward parts, and wove us together in our mother's womb. So wh- however, whether you were, um, the, whether your circumstances, whether your mum said, well, I wasn't expecting you, you were a bit of a shock, or whether you find that um, you, your mum was a single parent, and, or whatever that, you were not an accident. God knew all about you, even before your mother knew about you. That is amazing. I often think about that and think, how incredible is that? What colour eyes you were going to have, you know, what your personality was going to be like, how tall, how short. God knew all of this. And God doesn't have accidents. None of us are accidents. Finally, I want to have a look at Mary, the mother of Jesus. And what do we know about Mary? She was very young. She nursed Jesus, taught him and protected and loved him but she must have been ridiculed and taunted for being pregnant outside marriage. She lost her reputation and risked being stoned to death. But the thing about Mary is she had a soft heart. She was willing to follow God at any price. I think one of the other things we realise is that she was probably widowed quite young so was a single parent for quite a lot of her life. But I don't think that Mary had any idea of the ultimate price that she herself would pay when she said yes to the angel. I sometimes wonder if she thought she might even have a place of honour in the nation as her son was crowned king. Because after all, he was the son of God and the promised Messiah. But it just didn't turn out like that for Mary. Her whole world was turned upside down from the moment she said yes to God. Life would never be the same again. And not long after she had him, she be- they had to flee and become refugees in Egypt in order to protect him. She might even have been an object of derision at times when Jesus began his public ministry. He said some really outrageous things about himself and the religious leaders of the day. She may even have been one of the first to become aware of the danger he was putting himself in with his teaching. Maybe she even encouraged him to keep his head down and be less controversial. We just don't know. But what we do know is that she stood near the cross on that day. She probably followed him throughout his trial and through the streets as he stumbled carrying his cross until they reached Golgotha till finally her worst fears were realised. Why did Mary put herself through that? She didn't have to. She could have stayed away and saved herself some of that pain. But she couldn't because he was her son and she couldn't stay away. Jesus was 33 years old, but she still needed to be there for him when he was crucified. Her nurturing, caring love didn't just switch off when he left home. So if you've left home and you're enjoying life in Edinburgh and you're forgetting about your mum, just to let remind you that your mum still loves you. No, even when he was a man, she still needed to be there for him. The remarkable thing is that even while Jesus was hanging on the cross in unimaginable pain, about to die, he still thought of his mum and made sure that she was cared for. I just think it's an amazing story of his complete love for her and her devotion to him. And uh, it it always moves me when when I look at it from Mary's point of view at the cross and how that must have felt So we all need to honour our mother's sacrificial love, even if they are no longer alive, we can still live in the love that they had for us. This special love is something God gives to mothers. So whether you're a mother of young children and you're exhausted or a mum of teenagers and you're not sure what to do or even if you have grown up children who have left home, there are things you can be sure of. When we struggle when we worry about them, we can put our trust in God. Or if we struggle with certain aspects of their character or behaviour, we can call out to God for his love for them. As a mum, God has given you a special calling. None of us know how he will use our children or the influence we, we will have on them. But you know what? Even Mary didn't get it all right. When Jesus was 12, Mary and Joseph made their annual pilgrimage to Jerusalem. After seven days of celebration, the family starts the journey home. Apparently, they've already traveled for a whole day before they realize Jesus isn't with them. I thought, yeah? (laughs) Um, (laughs) How did that happen? They didn't find him until the third day. He stayed behind in in Jerusalem in the temple, listening and asking questions of the preachers. Jesus was already engaged in his heavenly Father's mission, and his parents had to catch up with him. This was just the beginning of things to come. There may be some here today, and you may have fallen out with your mum, or you just don't have a very good relationship with her. Don't just leave it. Take the initiative and do all you can to restore that relationship. Mother's Day. Is a great opportunity to start that process. There are no guarantees, but at least we can do our part. Guy de passant said, We love our mothers unknowingly and only realise how deep-rooted that love is at the ultimate separation. I personally know this to be true. We need to celebrate our mums. Let's face it, we wouldn't be here without them. You just, just because you're older and independent doesn't mean your mum's love loves you any less. She probably still thinks about you every day. So give her a call or send her some flowers if you haven't done it already. And here we have a picture taken from my, taken from my friend Mariska that she found some graffiti in Edinburgh. It says, phone your mum, she loves you. <laughs> it's just a great picture. <laughs> We all have lots of gaps and even the best mothers fall short. Whether you feel like you've had great parenting, poor parenting or whether you feel like you are a mediocre mother or a really good one the Bible tells us that our love is a pale reflection of God's love for us. We can tend to see God's mothering as as a very female thing but Paul clearly didn't have a problem with this. In 1 Thessalonians 2, he's talking about his apostolic authority towards the church. And he asked them to remember that he proved to be gentle among them as a nursing mother, having a fond affection for them, not only importing the gospel, but also our own lives because you became very dear to us. Paul talks about his affection for the church as a nursing mother. He's not afraid to refer to the church in this way. It's very intimate. It's very personal. And there's a gentleness about it. How much more does God tenderly care for and nurture us? He knows us inside out and is able to fulfill all his promises. He has unlimited resources. No matter how we feel about ourselves we know that God's grace and love is ever-present for any of us to draw on at any time. He is completely faithful. It says in 2 Timothy, if we are faithless, he still remains faithful. Isn't that amazing? Whatever we are, whatever we do, he is faithful. John Killinge said this about a mother's love. This love... A mother's love, even at its best, is only a shadow of the love of God. A dark reflection of all we can expect of him, both in this life and the next. Only a shadow of God's love. As mothers, we are prepared to sacrifice everything for our children. But God loves you even more than this. When that incident happened with Chris... I didn't think about myself. I didn't even think about my other children. I would have sacrificed myself for my son, and I'm just a mother. And God's love is so much greater than that. And sometimes I think we forget just how wonderful and, uh, just, and great that is. It's, it just covers everything. You know, I've been a Christian for 40 years. All I can say is that God's love and faithfulness has always been there for me, even in times of real difficulty, times when I've really messed up. God's love has always been there, and it's been constant. It doesn't change. It doesn't flow with moods and tides and how I'm feeling. It's always constant. It's always faithful. It's just amazing. So just let's worship and show our gratitude to God for his provision of this just amazing love that he has for us.